Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Kiss the Future is an exploration of the perils of nationalism and art's role as a weapon of resistance and activism. The film follows an underground community that continued to work, create, and live throughout the 1990s. The siege of Sarajevo, amid the breakup of Yugoslavia, the citizens of Sarajevo wait to find their city under siege and Bosnia at war. The film dives into this period, post-Cold War period, when the Soviet Union collapsed and many of the satellite states were beginning to unravel. It's a remarkable documentary film on so many different levels and very emotionally charged. Again, the film is called Kiss the Future, and we're joined today by the director, Nanad Sissensane. Nanad, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Um, I brought in that sort of the backstory, the, the, the history of, because... Uh, this happened around the beginning of it, did really happen when the Soviet Union collapsed in essentially 1991. And then with that, President Tito, who was the president of Yugoslavia at the time, we saw the that uh, republic begin to fall apart. Is that is that a fair place to start? Is that- Yeah, that's that, very much so. Yep. So along with that came the different, um, would they be called uh, republics within Yugoslavia? How did they define the regions? Was yeah, there- they, were, they were republics of Yugoslavia. You know, there was Croatia, Serbia, Albania, Kosovo, uh, Slovenia, uh, Montenegro. Um, all these have been taken on different kind of machinations and re- been redefined. So if I labeled one incorrectly during that period of time, I apologize. It's just a lot to cover. I just brought it in because I'm old enough to remember when this was happening. There was so much upheaval in Eastern Europe and in the Soviet Union during this period of time. This is the highest profile, and it was really something that presented quite a challenge to NATO and how they were how they would approach it or not approach it. There were a lot of things that came into play, but that's sort of peripheral to this telling of this particular story. It really is about the people of Sarajevo and how they were dealing with the consequences of all of this. Talk a little bit about how how this project came about. Where, where was your sort of entry point into telling the story behind Kiss the Future? Well, I'm from the region. Uh, I have a Croatian father, Serbian mother, Albanian wife. I was born in Slovenia, so I grew up in the former Yugoslavia, and then I moved away and went back during the war. Um, and so it was a very personal experience of watching my country break apart, especially with having parents on, even though in our home, it wasn't like that, but on different sides of the conflict. Um, So it was always a quite emotional and visceral thing in my life. And then in 2017, there was an anniversary of the concert. And I just remembered how moving, even though I wasn't at the concert and powerful the concert was for the whole region, you know, for people who were fighting and killing each other to end up at a concert together and singing and dancing together, something that I couldn't stop thinking about, and especially with how polarized things are and were in the United States at the time. If you live through something like that, you have a fear that it can happen again. And, and seeing how people were no longer in this country, even able to talk to each other across the aisle, just reminded me of what had happened there. So that was the kind of catalyst that launched it. And then a couple of years later, I started working with 
uh, Matt Damon and Drew Vitton at Pearl Street, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck's company, and had a great experience developing. I pitched them a script and wrote a script for them that we set up at a studio. In the process of doing that, I learned about Matt's personal relationship to Bono. And I knew of this extraordinary archive of footage, although I didn't know what the archive was, but I know you two had never shared the footage of that concert that we were just talking about. And I saw that as a way, that concert and the power of music to address what happened in my former country, you know, with these people living under the most horrific circumstances where, you know, they're under siege. The people of Sarajevo were sniped at and shelled and they had no food, no water, no electricity. But yet they still found ways to gather and play music and make art and help each other. And I just saw that as such a beautiful way to address what's going on globally today, which is how do people survive under the most horrific circumstances and where does humanity live and finding the light in the darkness. And, and then all of these stories culminating to this beautiful concert where enemies are now singing and dancing together. So I asked Matt, um, Drew, Matt's executive and Matt to produce it. And they came on board and they went to U2 and asked U2 and they came in. And I also met simultaneously Bill Carter and read his book. And that became a great kind of like roadmap for telling a part of the story. And it was uh, a lot of not luck, but right place, right time, right intention. Everybody had the same intent in wanting to get involved in this project and contributed significantly to its final result. So that's that's the broad strokes of how it happened. There are so many important to telling the story, important people in the film that it'd be difficult to run through the entire list and not feel like I left someone out. But Bill Carter, certainly from the film's perspective, is a key part of the telling of the story. Yeah, well, I knew I wanted to make the film before I came across Bill's story because of the concert and having lived through it. And I wanted to tell the people's story of what they had experienced. And then I came across his book and the research for doing it. And I read the book and, you know, it's his autobiography of his journey going there and reaching out to the band, which was such an essential piece in this. And, you know, there was this great story there. You know, the challenge, though, that I faced as a filmmaker was He's a foreigner and he was in Yugoslavia or in Bosnia for several months before he had the idea to reach out to the band. And I, it's an extraordinary story, but it had to be very balanced because I couldn't tell being from the region the story from the point of view of a foreigner. Because then it would, we would be having you two go in and doing this extraordinary concert and having Bill Carter. So there was a really delicate balance that I had to find when you find this, you know, golden goose egg and his story of balancing the story from Bill's point of view and the Sari Avon's point of view, right? So mm-hmm. there was a lot of this kind of back and forth and discussions of is it overly weighted to Bill's story or is it not enough in there because it is the catalyst that binds um, you two to the city? You know, even though Bono had put out a video um, prior to Bill, you know, the triggered Bill to want to reach out to them, drawing attention that's in the film, uh-huh. sorry, saying we won't be deaf, we won't be dumb. And that was the trigger that inspired Bill to have this idea to go out to the band because it was already obviously top on mind for them. So, so yeah, so we went through a development evolutionary process of how much of his story do we use and not tread into telling the film too much from the foreign point of view, right? Yeah. So when he comes into the film about 
15 minutes into the movie and he becomes this catalyst that brings in the film. But before that, we set up Christian Ampour and we set up the you know, narrative dynamics of what was going on geopolitically at the time. And we start to establish the Sarajevans as the story because it's one thing like Christian Ampour and Bill and, and the band to go and want to shed light and be involved in a conflict to add value and have a purpose and a mission, right? It's another thing when you're just a person living there and this is forced upon you and you have to deal with the ramifications of it. Mm-hmm. And we, I personally, being from the from former Yugoslavia, although not being in Bosnia, had to tell the story from the point of view of the people that were there and had to deal with it as opposed to making a choice to put themselves in harm's way to go and, you know, you could say they're heroes. You could say a lot of beautiful things about them, but it's different being a foreigner than it is somebody who's forced to deal with the circumstances and how do you deal with the most difficult circumstances in life. And, you know, that's what the Sarajevans, that's what inspired me was how, and the same thing that inspired Bill back then. I mean, that's what he talked to Bono about. That's where there was the overlap of where we said, okay, we see eye to eye on this and, and you know, we can work together in developing the story and making the film. There are a couple of things that I think is important to kind of establish in the minds of the people who are listening to our conversation. One is that this is a very powerful, emotional film. The way that you draw out the stories of the people who are in Sarajevo living through this horror establishes a context for what happens in at the concert with the involvement of you two. Had you not done it the way that you did, I feel like this would have been a very different film and might have lacked the emotional punch that I felt as I was watching it. Yeah, I mean, if we had used... I pre- really appreciate that. I mean, I think that that was you know, you identified the intent of what was most important to all of us, including Bill, including the band, what was essential to them was it's not about me, it's about the people of Sarajevo. So, you know, knowing that there was this book that he had that had a beginning, middle and an end and his journey into it, if we had told the film from that point of view, it would have been the foreigner's point of view and and found the, you know, struck the, the most, the best balance that we could internally find in the way to balance the Sarajevans and his and the band's stories. The film is called Kiss the Future, and we're speaking with the director, and that would be Nanad Sisin-Sain. The film, again, is Kiss the Future, and this coming Wednesday, February 21st, there'll be a special screening at an AMC theater near you. Hopefully, you will go on amctheaters.com to find out more about that. Uh, guest for this screening will include Nanad, our guest today, as well as Bill Carter, who we've been talking about, and also include The Edge and Adam Clayton from U2 and many other people I'm sure will be there, virtually be there. Check it out at amctheaters.com for this special screening on Wednesday the 21st. And then the film will be getting a wider release this coming Friday, February 23rd at theaters near you. So check it out as well by going to AMC Theaters as well as your local listings. Again, I can't underscore this enough, just what a, not only an incredible story, uh, the story of the people of Sarajevo, but how this concert came about. And uh, there, there's a there's a scene with Bill when he essentially meets Bono for the first time. There's this incredible story, how he got in to meet him. And then you get to see Bono and I, I could almost see him processing what was happening in real time during that during that interview. What exactly what 
this might mean to him. Yeah, it was very profound. It was very, I think he was, you know, winging it. I'm sure I knew there was very specific things he wanted to talk about, which yeah. became powerful themes in the film was, you know, kind of the, the power of music and people in Sarajevo who talks about going underground and it's very unrehearsed. It's very raw. It's very authentic. It's very, very moving. You know, I was very moved when I saw that. It's quite incredible what he did and his journey and, you know, the personal jeopardy he took on in, in telling that. And you really see and feel that in that scene with him and Bono. Without giving too much away, at the beginning of that interview, that conversation, Bono looked like he wasn't quite sure. He looked just, there was just this kind of, I won't say caginess, but there was a certain trepidation in the way that he well, was I talking think, about it. I think there's a lot more to that than that. When he saw Bill and the gentleman that Bill was with who had never operated a camera before, you know, when you've done enough interviews, you know, when there's a professional setup that comes in and somebody who is not a professional. I mean, it's just kind of like night and day difference, right? And I know that at the beginning of the interview, he's like, you know, he has a very, his walls up in this rock star persona of, you know, he has a role to play to be a rock star for the night. And he does hundreds of these interviews and asks, gets asked a lot of the same questions. And I'm sure they can get very repetitive and, and boring and, and frustrating to answer the same thing over and over again. And I think there was a sense of, or I know there was a sense of like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Who are these people? In the letter, they said that they were for Sarajevo TV, but they're clearly all Americans and not Sarajevans <laughs> that are doing this interview. So there's a bit of what the F is going on here, right? And and then I think once they start to get into it and it settles without ruining it, the the for the for people who haven't seen the film yet, there's a there what Bill starts talking about is so powerful. I think it it really gripped him. I think it really grabbed Bono in a way he didn't expect. And it clearly did because it so much so took him and moved him that he would go into a direction of wanting to put the, his personal life and the band in jeopardy to go down this road with Bill is quite, quite profound. You know, yeah. I think I think what Bill has done and what his intent was is so beautiful and is so meaningful. And I'm so fortunate to have it in the film and and, and you get to experience it in its full rawness in that interview where he records Bono. There's no hiding there. You see who both those men are. The body language changes dramatically in the in that particular interview with, with him. You just, yeah, you see it. You see it in real time. And I, I really can't emphasize this enough. Throughout the film, getting to know the people who were surviving, who were in some ways trying to find a normalcy to an incredibly fraught and horrible situation really, really pulls you in this emotional place for I, the film. One thing I wanted to address in that, in your comment about it being emotional, you know, one of the things, one of the big parts of making the movie was these people were sharing stories that many of them hadn't even shared with therapists and loved ones because yeah. they have PTSD. And when we started making the film, we were making a film about the end of the last war in Europe and then war in Europe broke out. And Ukraine, Russia invaded Ukraine several weeks before we went to Sarajevo and started shooting the interviews. And people were afraid that it was going to spread to the region. While shooting the movie, most days there wasn't a dry eye on the set. People were really affected. People were crying. It was really hard um, to get through some of these interviews. And we didn't put a lot into the film of what we heard of the horrors that people experienced because it would have been too inaccessible. You know, there were stories of children watching their mothers being raped 
and murdered in front of them. Just to give some historic context to it, near the end, there's the the slaughter at Serenitia, which again drives home the idea of just how dire and horrible all of this was, and what a complete contrast you're seeing when you see the concert unfolding in front of you. And I don't want to give anything away about the concert itself, but I was completely unaware of some of the, how do I say this, Bono-related parts of the concert, which again gives you another level of how emotionally invested, I hope I'm not being too cryptic here, but emotionally, yeah emotionally invested he he would have been in, in in that moment it was very charged i mean to have to play a concert for 40 to fifty thousand people that were yeah. killing each other for years and to all end up at this concert together and be able to sing and dance together was the catalyst that inspired me and i didn't give away the plot of what happens at that concert but was yeah. what inspired me to be able to tell this story you know and i think sometimes i feel i struggle a little bit with when people watch the movie, they find it to be what I've been told and read was this kind of inspirational and finding the light in the darkness. You know, sometimes it's hard to to even stomach that because we didn't put in the extent of the horror that these people were experiencing. You know, sometimes the the experience of watching the movie is a lot lighter at times than the the, the jeopardy, the personal emotional jeopardy that these people are going through. But if you put that in there, obviously, you know, there's a sense of that. And it's discussed in the horrors of what happened in Srebrenica and in the marketplace. But, you know, that that's the hard part as a storyteller. Like, where's the balance between taking an audience on a journey so that they can learn and experience what these people went through, but not to the degree of where they can't stomach it anymore and and can't take in the light. And, and that's, you know, that's the, that's always the struggle you deal with when you deal with such sensitive material. As I'm watching the film, you're hearing these stories of the horrors of war, and you're showing footage of people walking around the streets. And there's some couple of stories about people walking in front of somebody else because there are snipers in the area. That's one of a one particular little part of the story. But you're seeing children walking around on the streets. You and your imagination can imagine what easily could have happened next. So, I, in some way, you show us enough. And we hear what happened. So we know all the possibilities that you're describing are very real. And I think that for me, that's that's what works. And I think that's that fine line that you, you found with the film is describe it, you hear about it, and we just see these people at risk. And that's all really in some ways we really need to know. That's probably not quite the right way to say it, but it's enough. And, yeah, no, uh, I appreciate that. I mean, it's, you know, these people lived, uh, as we're seeing on the news around the world today, under the most horrific circumstances possible, um, where their freedom has been taken away and extreme injustice is happening. But yet in that, there's this extraordinary humanity that emerges and the need to be connected and the need to express yourself and the need to have community and the need to help others. And that's the beauty that we discovered in the in the journey of telling this story and that we hope that people experience watching the film. Well, congratulations, Nanad, on this work. It's really, it's, I, I see this film, if you're listening to our conversation, Kiss the Future. Again, there's an exclusive special screening on February 21st, Wednesday, with a lot of people that will be around for a Q&A after the fact. Uh, and, uh, and and then it's also opening on the 23rd, this Friday, in, in a broader release across the country. 
Well, congratulations on this film and uh, Kiss the Future. We've been speaking with a writer, co-writer, I believe, would be the better yeah, one. Co-writer, yeah. co-writer and uh, director, Nanad Sisin Sane. Thank you so very much for spending some time with us here on Film School Radio. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate this time. I hope you guys get to see the film. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Thank you.